It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. And I'm going to tell you something. This is the most dating loss, I mean, of all time. Because I'm, I, I've lost three championship games. You know what you get when you lose a championship Not game? a dang thing? Not a dang thing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. This will haunt you for the rest of your life. Mm. There's some bloviating by uh, Rex Ryan from earlier today. Right, Larry? Yes. We got Big Ten. We got our own bloviator on the show today to talk us through the uh, NFC and AFC Championship games last night that you heard on uh, ESPN 97.7, your home of the NFL playoffs in Southern Utah. Let's do it, Tad. Run us through. And then I'll, I got some comments, Larry, after Tad's done, if that's all right with you. Fire away. What do we got? National Field Goal League Blitz with Big Tad. Thank you, Sporty Chief. 17 Ravens 10. Lamar, about that contract. Travis Kelsey, annoying. By the way, why aren't we guarding this guy? Steve Spagnolo, head coaching material. What's that? Oh, Rams? Oh, suck? Oh, Steve Spagnola, great coordinator. Zay Flowers, squeeze it! Odell Beckham Jr., you're still here? Odell Beckham Sr., your son sucks. Patrick Mahomes, baby. 49ers 34, Lions 31, Dan. Kick the field goal, make it a one-possession game, keep your timeouts. Don't you understand that's your only chance to win the game? You need the ball back. You can't bleed the clock and then use a timeout. What is wrong with you? The entire Motor City is counting on your bird brain to get to the Super Bowl. Don't you understand how time works? Brock Purdy, game manager. Christian McCaffrey, white guy grit. Jameson Williams, butterfingers. Josh Reynolds, Butterfingers, Anthony Ferkser, turn and run. Jared Goff, bust. Back to you, Sporty. <laughs> by the way, Ferkser, that's a good point by Tad Larry because that was one of the most frustrating plays ever. They throw it to the backup tight end instead of Laporta, and the guy just runs straight sideways to try to get out of bounds, not realizing nobody's around him. He could easily get the pylon and just score right there. Here's what I want to say, though, about Campbell. He is going to sleep better than Kyle Shanahan did after the Falcons Super Bowl loss when Shanahan pooched it in the second half and allowed Brady to come back. And I know he was throwing it, but he was super conservative and went full fetal position and allowed Brady to come back and beat him. Shanahan hasn't slept well. Even though he's been with the 49ers for six, seven years or whatever, done very well, that type of loss in the Super Bowl is more painful, not because it's the Super Bowl, but because of the way you allowed your team to lose because you were a coward. And Campbell's sin is that he, aside from the last minute and a half where he was just an idiot, his crime was going for it on fourth down like Tad said, not making it a three-possession game. I was watching it. I was saying, man, kick the field goal. Go up 17. Go up three possessions. And he went for it. Then he went for it again. And I think he's, you know, in his post-game presser, he says, I have no regrets about the play calls. We've done this all year. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's fine. 
I'm fine. The first one should have been a completion. That should have been a conversion. The second one, Goff's first look didn't wasn't open. Second look wasn't open. They had you out leveraged defensively, so maybe it wasn't a great offensive call. But I'm fine. The analytic nerds say both of those slide edge to go for it. And I think if you're Detroit, you've got to live with the pain of that. I'm just saying Campbell will sleep better than some of these other coaches do who go full fetal position and play the put the kicker out their game. And the Lions didn't have a good kicker, and that all factored into his decision. So I, I'm not killing Campbell today. What 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 uh, I am killing Campbell for is once you, even once you have the ball and you're down ten. As soon as you get into guarantee field goal range, I know you have a crack, crappy kicker, but once you get into it's a 30-yard field goal range, just kick the dang thing and keep your three timeouts and pray that Shanahan will go conservative enough to where you can use your three timeouts and get a punt back with like 40 seconds left. That's your only shot. And when he run, I know you've heard this a million times, Larry, today on ESPN Radio or Fox Sports, but when he runs the ball, on third down and then uses a timeout, does he not understand that that the game is over? The the death has happened. You lost. So that was inexcusable. The fourth down stuff, I'm not killing him for, Larry. Anything else on Campbell before I go into the Super Bowl matchup? When he he says this is our best, this may have been our best shot, I liked how um, honest he was in the post game. I'd kill to have that audio, Larry. Do you have that audio? No. Where he's saying this may have been our best shot, you know, where there's no, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was, we aren't, this was our best shot. And, you know, we got to go and grind and try to get back, but this is probably our best shot. It's hard to get back here. The division's better. Things the the NFL is so topsy turvy. Unless you have Mahomes or one of these premier quarterbacks, which we don't, you're not getting back here next year. I hope they do, but I thought that was an honest moment of man. We really pooched this game, being up 17 at halftime and letting them come back and dropping passes and missing these fourth down conversions and stuff. So I felt really bad for Campbell. Um. But I wanted to say that this Super Bowl matchup, once again, between Mahomes and some mid-level quarterback guiding the juggernaut that is San Francisco. And San Francisco's a juggernaut. Everybody's all pro on the whole dang team. Uh, Lynch and the boys in the front office with the suits have done, a, once again, a remarkable job assembling a Super Bowl roster. And they've made a mediocre quarterback talent into a pro bowler. So they're unbelievable. There should be a trophy for a team that is so well run, so well drafted, that they go and get a trade and get Christian McCaffrey, and he's the best offensive position player in the league this year, arguably. He won't win the MVP, but um, there should be an award for a team like that that runs so well. Unfortunately, that all of that, the suits in the in the office who are watching from a, from a penthouse and the scouts and the drafting and assembling 52 guys around your quarterback, a 53-man roster that's really that's the best in the league, doesn't matter because you don't have that one guy. And the NFL is so out of balance 
when it comes to the quarterback. And then when you factor in that this quarterback's the best guy to ever do it, it's amazing to me that for the third week in a row, Vegas is going to have the 49ers favored in the Super Bowl by a point and a half because of their roster. But they're playing Patrick Mahomes. And if we go through the Super Bowls, Larry, of recent vintage, my friend, the better quarterback rarely loses. So you've got to go back to 2018 when Nick Foles beat Brady in kind of a surprise Philly special game. That was five years ago. Russell Wilson beat a full-functioning Peyton Manning, a healthy 50-touchdown type of Peyton Manning in 2014 with the Legion of Boom. 2012, Eli beats Brady. 2008, Eli beats Brady. 2003, Brad Johnson beats Rich Gannon. Now, all the other Super Bowl matchups, the better quarterback wins or the quarterbacks are fairly even, like Roethlisberger beating somebody, like Kurt Warner at the time, or um, Breeze beating Manning, kind of similar quarterbacks. Every other time, when there's an imbalance in quarterback talent, you go with the quarterback. And the Chiefs, it's not like the last year's Chiefs or the, or the year before Chiefs. Their defense is good, and they're opportunistic, and they can stop the run. And so I don't understand why anybody would bet against Mahomes uh, in the Super Bowl. All that matters is you have that guy, and they don't. So it's a tough time to be in the uh, in the NFL if you're wanting to win Super Bowls. It's going to be another tough one for for Shanahan. So I feel bad for Campbell, America's team. I love watching Panay Sewell had another great game. I don't I don't know if I just don't watch other offensive linemen, Larry. And I probably I know that I don't, but I really pay attention to Panay. And first play of the game, he just runs around and just wrecks, just lays out uh, safety on the run. He just does that all game. And maybe there's other guys as good that are doing that, and I'm just not paying attention. But I doubt that they're. He's the first. He's the, you know, first team All Pro. At what he does. So I'm gonna miss watching him play. Um, I'm gonna miss watching uh, Campbell. I'm gonna miss watching Anzalone. And I love uh, when they bring in Rodriguez on third downs. And he, you remember him from Hard Knocks, linebacker, overachiever. Love watching him level the boom. And they're not going to get back there again, Larry. They're not going to get back there next year. And maybe the year after that. A loss this devastating can ruin a franchise, even if they're already ruined. The Falcons have not gotten close again since they gave up that Super Bowl lead. Um, so it's it's devastating. This was your shot, and you blew it. And you deserve to be criti- uh, criticized for that. How do you not take that one home? And Campbell deserves all of the all of the criticism, but he can sleep because he didn't go down meek. It's better to be dumb than meek. If you're a coach in football, I would rather have a a coach like Campbell who's a bit of a meathead and makes some weird decisions. Um, I'd rather have that guy who's dumb than a meek guy who's all who's just putting all the pressure. Let's trot the kicker out so he can kick a 53 yard field goal, and if he misses it, I can just shrug. And be like, yeah, it's not my fault. It's my idiot kicker's fault. I'd rather have the dumb guy than the meek guy. And nobody would ever accuse Campbell of being meek. Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. Two-minute drill. Presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. 
50-50. Seven seconds remaining. Crimson has it. Nelson, right elbow jumper with four seconds. Yes. Nelson. He's got five. Here's Roberts, three-quarter court. He buried it, and it's good. Holy moly. That was Carrick Sigmiller and Rustin Burnside at the hangar on Friday night. You heard it on ESPN 97.7. Dixie gets the win over Crimson Clebs, who battled. Man, did they battle. They scrapped and they clawed. And it was tied going into the fourth and all this stuff. And then Roberts makes a big three. And then Dixie just goes off in the fourth quarter. Sean Feltz had a huge game. Kyle Lemke had a big game. So it kind of lived up to the bill, uh, excuse me, the billing with the big guys playing well. Some huge highlights for both teams. Dixie going off. Roberts went off the, off the backboard to Lemke for a time. One of the best highlights of the year. So Dixie now 3-0 against Crimson Cliffs. Other takeaways from Friday night. Really impressed by Desert Hills in a call them out, call them into the locker room type. We got a, we got to D up. We got to figure it out. Uh, coming off that devastating Snow Canyon game where the Thunder didn't have a lot of offense and it was an ugly game and they didn't get a lot of open shots and all this stuff. Eli Allred responds by scoring 17, holding Pineview, who scores on average just as much as anybody else in region, to 40-something points. Low for, was it 41 points, Larry? I forget the final off the top of my head, but so great effort by Coach Allred and Desert Hills to respond. And at home, that's a tough place to play. Um, Schroeder still had 19, but you kind of kept you kept it you kept it contained. Everybody else and got a a big win for Desert Hills, who's had a, a tough uh, last couple of games against the, the good teams in Region Nine. So a big win for Desert Hills, and uh, Cedar gets the win over Hurricane. As well, we'll have three more games for you on Wednesday. Also, Larry, wanted to congratulate the Region 9 Wrestling Champs for the first time in 20 years, the Hurricane Tigers. They beat Cedar to clinch the Region Championship. They'll now move on to compete uh, for a right to go compete in Orem for the state championships and stuff like that. We're going to have the Hurricane Tigers uh, wrestling team on the program and hopefully on the rush as well. Congratulations to those guys and Coach Armstrong and Hurricane. 20 years, and they are region champs this year. A tough, tough, tough region. And it'll get tougher going forward, but uh, awesome job. Can't wait to hear more from those guys. Yes, you made a boo-boo. I did. Mm. I did. boo box. <laughs> Time for the Blue Box in the Sport Hall. It's Monday, which means the toll is tolling the bell. And what? How does it go? The bell tolls for the Blue Box. And we keep notes over the weekend, Larry. You got your laptop out. I know you're listening and watching stuff. We're keeping track of things. And it's painful. It's always awkward. We don't like to do this. But here's how it here's how it goes today. Who do we got? Who's going to the boo box? What the do we boo get? box. Oh, this one's painful. 
this one's painful. Hey, um, if I can, Ty's going to be mad at me here, but uh, I don't know. You guys report on this horns down t-shirt. <laughs> you guys hearing this? Mark Pope here. Yeah. Uh, and just know from our student, from our, uh, you know, they were taken off before the game started, right? And and from our, from the Rock, and from our players, and from our student body, uh, that's just not us. That's that's not how we roll. And it was just a, a miscalculation on, on just a couple eager kids, uh, which we love the eagerness of these fans, but it's just not it's not what we do here. So uh, we love. Every, all eighteen thousand people in in this gym. They were incredible tonight. And just that, just so you know, that's not um, that's not something that we're supporting. Okay, awesome. The bull box. Texas in Provo. The front thing of the, the front uh, row of the rock. The guys have the horns down thing. And and Mark Pope and BYU going into the boo box because they had him take it down. I don't think Pope did necessarily. Maybe he did. But BYU kind of said, look, that's too much makes us look bad we want to be sportsmanship we want to be respectful we're going to ask you to take down the the horns down and it reminded me of um being in high school myself larry which i never you know there's nothing worse than somebody talking about when they were in high school but i remember our student section when a kid from the opposing team came up to shoot a free throw started chanting this kid's ugly you know over and over again and one of the administrators ran at us and was just like stop what are you doing don't chant that that's horrible don't do that and and everybody stopped and i thought well, even when even when i was an idiot teenager thinking yeah that's that might be a little over the top talking to you know yelling at a 16 year old uh something like that um and so i do understand wanting to have your institutional respect for an opponent uh you know a big brand like texas and stuff like that your first year in the big 12 and, and wanting to be respectful but well the reason why byu is going into the boo box is because they're catering to their opponent's ridiculous sensitivity about their precious logo simply being flipped on its head and going horns down. This is not a... We've talked about this, Larry. This isn't a slur. It's not a swastika. It's a way to say, you know, Texas, we're rooting against you. We're rooting for the other guys. And I loved seeing the fans doing it, and I loved seeing the, the kids in the front row doing it because it was sticking it to Texas, who has this air of... There's this sacredness about our... Longhorn logo, and how dare you make fun of it, or how dare you uh, violate how important this is? And it's it's almost sacrilegious to flip the horn. And it's like, no, bleep! What are you talking about? Why are you so special, Texas? You can't take a, a 18 year old kid doing horns down. And let me also say, BYU student section is smart, they're sober, and they're very good. And we know this. They're good in football. They're great in basketball. BYU student section when it comes to distracting free throw shooters is the best I've seen ever. The thing that they're doing with the with the big faces, but also the zigzag lines behind the 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 backboard. How does anybody shoot with that crap going on? It's very good. They're one of the best student sections in the Big 12. And I love to see that they were doing the, the horns down. To make fun of Texas, because Texas deserves to be made fun of with that crowd. And so I'm sorry, but 
the admin or whatever, Pope, you're in the boo box because you made these the poor kids. <laughs> Take it down. That should have been. Um, that should have been okay. And by the way, Bleep Tech, they're leaving. They're leaving. They're leaving next year. They're too good for you. So, you know, double birds to them as they're walking out. By the way, BYU um, won that game easily. Texas had no shooters. They had one big guy who could kind of score a little bit, and it was always a grind to try to get the bucket in for, for Texas. But BYU was just so much better and made some shots, and Khalifa did his patented stuff on the perimeter as a big guy making backdoor passes. And it was never close. I mean, it was it was a comfortable win for BYU at home against a big brand in Texas. So once again, BYU basketball overachieving. As far as the opening question, Larry, about will BYU go to the tournament? Ah, ah, I think I think it's kind of going that way. I think Lenardi's got them as a five seed now, which they're bound to, to lose. You know, maybe close to half of their remaining games, but still get in because they're in the Big 12 and like 10 Big 12 teams will go. So if they just keep winning their the majority of their home games and maybe get one on the road or two. They got like six road games left. Win one or two of those, you're in. So good for BYU. Um, there was a cool moment where they recognized Sean Bradley at the game. Larry, I don't think we've got audio of that. No. Um, maybe we'll talk more about that tomorrow, but it was cool. He was there. And Coach Pope was talking about receiving a letter from Sean Bradley when Bradley was, I think, a missionary. He wrote a letter to Mark Pope, who was a prospect at that time, and just wrote a very thoughtful letter to this young kid and Pope remembered it and talked about how much it meant to him as Sean Bradley who's going to be the number two pick in the NBA took the time out so that was a really cool story about uh, Sean Bradley very good uh, oh we got a cougar board question we'll save that let's save that Larry is that all right yes okay What up, buddy? You're not very bright, are you? Andy versus Randy. As we do every Monday, we welcome in my twin brother, Randy, to give us his constructive compliments about the program. What's going on? What up, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm good, man. It's uh, one football game left, right? Yeah. It's all over. Yep. One more. Yep. It's always a sad time of year. Yeah. Um, I don't understand what the heck you're talking about, though, with with Campbell. What else is new? Cam- Campbell's an idiot. Well, what I'm saying is, how can you be? How can he be your boyfriend? And you love, <laughs> you know, you all this crap about going for it on fourth down. You appreciate, love it. And then he goes for it on fourth down on the inch line. And you're freaking out. At the end of the game? On fourth down. At the end of the yeah, game on, on fourth, fourth down. down. Yeah, that was insane. You're down 10. He's going for it. He, you got to get the field goal. Your, you your gotta, idea that kick, is that he needs to score a second possession. Yes. But kick the field goal. He, 
you're on the inch line. You may as well. He, ba- go he barely for it. got it. You need ten points. You, you're running out of time. You used a timeout. <laughs> the know, game's but, over. Why? I know, but in order to win the game, yeah. Why is he? Why is he going well, for it? Uh, the ultimate goal is to win the game, right? Right. The 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 ultimate goal is to win the it's game. It's not to go to overtime. It's to you, win the game. You're not thinking about what you're thinking about. You, oh, you need I, oh, two okay. possessions. I saw, I you're know, not thinking. I didn't know I was talking to uh, Marty Morningwick. I thought you wanted to be aggressive and win football. <laughs> you 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 stupid idiot. He, oh, he's got to get. Oh, to, he's got to get two or he needs two <laughs> possessions to to keep the game All going. Right, whatever. If you don't get a second you, possession, you're, you're, you can't you move win. You goalposts on your little ideas about football every week. All right, whatever. <laughs> you're insane. Uh, all right, see ya. All right. All right, see you later. Sport hole. Sports, 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 sports. What an idiot. Um, all right, do we have... What? Oh, what I wanted to say about... I wish I would have... Dang it. Is he still with us? Yes. He is? No. Oh. See if you can ring Randy back up, Larry. Because what I what I wanted to say, this is a Bill Simmons thing where he said NFL coaches should have a time consultant who's just an 18-year-old kid who's played a lot of Madden, right? I would I totally agreed with I remember what he he wrote that like 20 years ago, but um it's clear to me that that uh, you know Dan Campbell doesn't play a lot of Madden, and what I would say is play a lot of Madden. If I'm a coach, if I'm a GM and I'm hiring a coach, one of the things I have them do over the summer is just have a Madden, just play two minute quarters, play these games, and just get used to the time management that you need to have at the end of games. Because <laughs> the idea that you're going to call a timeout. To spend one of your your three timeouts is all you have between you and a loss, a guaranteed loss. If you spend one of those timeouts, the game is over. It's just like throwing a pick six. You cannot use one of those timeouts. And he runs the ball and then uses the timeout, and the game's over, and the season's over. He doesn't realize it yet, apparently, but the game's over, and the season's over. You can't get an onside kick in this league. It's over. Had he played... 20 hours of Madden a week in the summer leading up to this, it would never happen. So Simmons' thing is right. I would change it to just make the coaches do it. Because we think about these coaching geniuses and how smart they are and how, you know, they know the they got a, the TGI Friday's menu with all the plays on it and stuff like that. But then they make the most boneheaded, weird, dumbfounding uh, decisions when it comes to time constantly. And Campbell fell prey to that yesterday. So that's what I would do if I was a GM. Here's Madden. Here's a PS5. Wait, you want a PS5? Fine. We'll get it for you. 500 bucks? We're going to get it for you. It's worth the investment. <clears throat> Thank you, Larry. Hey, will you cut the malarkey? There's a white man talking up here. It's time for There's a White Man Talking in the Sport Hole. <laughs> Very good, Larry. Let's do it. We've got... Uh, this is from the Kevin Garnett podcast. He's interviewing Commissioner Adam Silver, who I believe is negotiating his 
to be, ex- and by the way, he should be extended. They should pay him to come back, extend his contract. Love Adam Silver. Does a fantastic job. What do you got? I'll tell you if I agree with this white man talking this week. Who you got? What is he saying? There was a point, I believe, you know, probably in around the late 90s when the game became too physical. Mm. And I think we lost some of from the... viewers, you mean? Yeah, and I think for our fans, from the aesthetic enjoyment of the game, where it de-emphasized the particular skill a player had mm. and maybe weighted too heavily um, physicality. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, the, the, what what Silver's... If you go back to the post-Jordan early 2000s and even post-Kobe Shaq Lakers when it's like the, the Spurs in Detroit in the finals every other year, those are painful, horrible. Um, it's a slog. They're scoring high 60s in a full game, 70s. That was painful and hard to watch, and nobody cared uh, whether the Spurs won or the Pistons won or some of these other teams that played a lot of defense and didn't have a lot of offensive firepower. That was a dark day in the NBA, and so they switched it up and LeBron and all that stuff and a new era of the NBA, and then Steph really did it. The, the, the issue for me isn't the physicality of the game. I'm fine, just like the NFL has catered to the quarterbacks, And that, for me, means that it's more fun now than ever to watch these guys who play quarterback in a very exciting way. I think it makes the product better to watch. I think that that allowing these guys like Curry and the the star player, John Morant, who are high flyers to go in the lane and not be Bill Lane Beard to death, it's good. I'm good with that. The the, the dragon that Silver has to slay is the three-point shot. The three-point shot needs to be emasculated in some way. And I understand the argument that we like the three-point shot because it means that and it makes the game more democratic. You don't have to be 6'10". You don't have to be Akeem Olajuwon to be a star in the NBA. A 6'3 guy who just is a really good catch-and-shoot guy can have a spot in the NBA. That's fine. I like that aspect of it. The problem is, and this is not a new thought, it's one I've hammered home over and over again, the game is boring to watch. The Sports Center highlights of NBA games are boring to watch. And I don't know how you do it. I don't know what you do. The three-point shot in the NBA, and in some cases college, but it's not nearly as bad in college has made the game so one-dimensional and so I mean how many how many NBA game how many times has this happened in an NBA game team A misses a 3 team B misses a 3 team A misses a 3 team B misses a 3 I call that the Carmelo four missed threes in a row that probably happens a couple of times in each NBA game just huck it up threes and there's a casualness to it that is so infuriating to watch in these dog days of the NBA season where it's just kind of run up the court, huck up a bad three. The other team goes back, hucks up a bad three. And I understand the math, and it gives your team a, bit, a better advantage. If you do play like that, you shoot a bunch of threes. But it's bad for the product, and Silver is going to have to slay this dragon, I think. 
I know NBA viewing numbers are up and the playoffs are up, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he doesn't. But to me, the game sucks because of that. Here's Popovich. After a game, the first thing you look at is the threes. If you made threes and the other team didn't, you win. You don't even look at the rebounds or the turnovers or how much transition defense was involved. You don't even care, he says. And for people saying anti-three-point people like me are like the people that said we should outlaw the dunk back when Kareem was dominating. Kareem was one guy, you know? And... Maybe there was a couple others that were seven-footers that were just catch-and-dunk, catch-and-dunk, catch-and-dunk guys, but it was two or three guys. The three-point revolution is every son of a gun on the roster. Everybody on the floor is a huck-up-a-three guy. And so I think Silver, I, I think he likes the flow of the NBA, and I think he likes how opened up it is, and... But I think he needs to answer for how crappy the game, the aesthetic of the game has gotten. And I think I, I hate it. Boston, who's arguably the best team in the NBA right now, shoots 42 threes a game. You go back 20 years, the top three-point shooting, we don't need this stat. We know it's a lot. But 42 a game, 20 years ago, the top attempting three-point shooting team was Oklahoma City. They shot 23 a game. So I, I think that there's two ways to, to handle it, Lawrence. You auto-correct, meaning you allow the players and the strategy and the coaching to figure out a way to go the other way. Like in football, where everybody's running the wishbone, okay, we're going to go the other way and we're going to invent something called the West Coast Offense. There's an auto-correct way to do it where the, the scheme figures out a way to combat the threes, but I don't think that's, that can overcome the math of threes better than two and the more you shoot, the more you make, and the more you make, the more you win games. So I think it's going to have to be a third. It's going to have to be the commissioner and NBA figuring out a way to save the game from this uh, pandemic of just throwing up 53s a game that has made the NBA unwatchable in my mind. And I know I'm an old head and Rustin uh, makes fun of that, but it's tough to watch. Thank you, Larry. The Sport Hole. Sports, 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 sports. Sport Hole Restaurant Review. All right, Sport Hole Restaurant Review brought to you by our good friends at... Let's see, Bucks Ace Hardware, three Southern Utah locations. Check out Bucks Ace, Dino Crossing in St. George. Don't forget Santa Clara and, of course, out to Hurricane for not just the hardware stuff. Uh, stuff for your kids, stuff for your wife, home decor, toys. If you're looking for something to do on a weekend and all you need is something small, first of all, don't go to one of the big places where you can't find. People are hiding in the break room. They're just hiding from you. And you got to walk around like an idiot trying to figure out where the, the loop, the 3M thing is, and it's a hook, and you don't know where it is. It's going to take you an hour and a half. You go to Bucks, somebody's going to escort you exactly where it is, and you're going to be out of there in a jiffy. But you're not going to want to go because there's so much stuff, fun stuff for your kid to look at, your whole family to look at. At Bucks Ace. Um, who are we reviewing today, Larry? We've got... Oh... This is a first-time review, Teriyaki Madness. I'm a big Teriyaki Madness fan, Larry. I went to the one over by 
uh, over upriver, the, uh, over by the Chick-fil-A on the other side of town from where we're at right now. Uh, good. I always get the spicy chicken. No wait. Went at a perfect time. And I walk in there and it's like, I told my wife, this would be a great place to get somebody whacked. Like, if, uh, if Sonny Corleone needed to take some, care of somebody in St. George, do it here at this time because nobody was there. And I was amazed because I was like, this is a great food. It's quick. You get the spicy chicken it'll and noodles. It'll knock your socks off. And then near the end of our meal, uh, some people started, a bunch of people started coming in. So maybe, maybe that's a bad sample size. I just happen to be there at a slow time. But here's the one thing I'll say, because I am a big fan, Larry. You got to have music. When you're sitting in there in an empty restaurant and it's just you and your kid and your wife and your kid is, you know, crying or whatever. Uh, that's that's it, it, it gets awkward is what I guess what I'm trying to say. So pipe up the music, and I could say this about a lot of establishments in St. George. Pump it up, pump up the music. If I'm at Ribbon Chop House or wherever, get the music going. Roadhouse does this. Get the music up higher so it drowns out some of the awkwardness or my wife saying something to me or my kid crying or whatever. Uh, we don't want that blasting off the walls and into the kitchen and, and everybody's looking at us. Get the music up just a tad at Teriyaki Grill. That's what I would do a little bit differently. Not Teriyaki Grill, Teriyaki Madness. As far as the mill itself, fantastic. Um, how many times will I go back there for the rest of the year, Larry? Five times. Five times. I'm telling you, Larry, get the spicy chicken. Have you had the spicy chicken? No. Get the spicy chicken uh, if you like spicy stuff. And get the noodles and they got the veg. It's just a teriyaki chicken bowl. There's a there's a lot of places that do this. But teriyaki madness um, is, I think, my favorite right now in town. Five more times. That's almost every other month I'm committing to go to this place. That's a great score. Just turn the music up just a tad. Just a tad. Thank you, Lawrence. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's Gus Johnson Award goes to... All right, this was tough. Um, BYU had a big win at home, which means uh, Greg Rubel gets a chance to get the Gus Award. He's won a lot. Uh, Rusted Burnside won last week for the best call. Who do we got this week, Larry? 50-50. Seven seconds remaining. Crimson has it. Nelson, right elbow jumper with four seconds. Yes! Nelson. He's got five. Here's Roberts, three-quarter court. He buried it! And it's good! Holy moly! Carrick Segmiller. Way to go. Carrick and Rustin on the call. ESPN uh, 97.7, your home. Region 9 Hoops. He gets the $10 gift certificate to Island Grind to enjoy. Way to go. And if we pulled some of the other sound of some of the dunks and alley-oops and some of the Sean Felt stuff, and uh, there's probably a, some some more great calls, but that was one of the funnest ones, that uh, half-court buzzer beater by J-Rob, who had, I think, 11 assists again against Crimson Cliffs. Way to go, Lawrence. We'll be back in the sport. Bowl right after this. Thanks for being with us.